Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Macomb, Illinois, and we have got a great show for you today. We have an introduction to make. Someone, if you've listened to us, someone you've heard before, but we have to introduce them in a new light today. Uh, and I'm not doing this by myself. Of course, I'm joined, as always, by co-host horticulture educator Ken Johnson in Jacksonville. Hey, Ken. Hello, Chris. How are you? I am warming up. Hey, again, it got cold and then it got warm again. It's great outside. I love it. It's gross. Needs to stay cold. I will say the pumpkin on my front porch, it like froze solid. And now that it's above freezing, it has just melted. <laughs> it looks like it's 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 eating the concrete like like porch, but it's really just melted into it. So it's it's the, kind of gross. Get the shovel out and scrape that off. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm going to keep it there. To it. <laughs> I'll see what happens. You know, <laughs> th there's these experiments with these these classrooms. They put their pumpkins in the 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 case and they watch it decompose and see all the fungi and stuff that that appear. That's cool. Should be an experiment. Get your, set your webcam up on it. Live stream. It's be like my eagle nest, but uh, it's just pumpkin watch. There you go. <laughs> Oh, goodness, Ken. Well, you know, we have a lot of fun on this podcast. Um, and this week, we're going to be talking about um, Thanksgiving, more, but, but more about sourcing our food. Um, and because we have so much fun to the podcast, uh, we'd like to announce that we have a new contributor uh, to the podcast. And so you're going to be hearing his voice uh, more often. And so we want to introduce uh, local food systems, small farms educator, Nick Frillman. Nick, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks, Chris and Ken, for having me. I'm excited to uh, yeah get this rolling and contribute. So as a, a local foods, uh, small farms educator, um, you know, your a, a lot of your programming or what you do is geared towards you know small far or small commercial fruit and vegetable production. Am I correct? Or yeah, give us a little bit of uh, open that up a bit for us. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, my primary audience and my programs are like you mentioned, um, small to medium scale fruit and vegetable growers, um, but as well, uh, lots of uh, backyard growers. Um, a couple of Illinois homesteaders here and there, uh, or farmsteaders, as we could call them, people that uh, might be retired or uh, growing food predominantly for their families and have day jobs as well. Um, and then, of course, the massive volunteer audience keeps us busy in Unit 12, um, as I'm sure they do in your extension units as well. So we can count on our master naturalists and gardeners to um, be usually interested and available to come hear our programs um, as well. Last but not least, um, I do do quite a few uh, site visits, so we get some client questions that are better answered in the field uh, versus over the phone or with an email. So especially during the, um, the growing and harvest season from about, you know, March until about now, um, I do go out to uh, farms if it's not, you know, too much of a haul, um, even a little bit outside of our unit and lay some eyes on some problems, uh, advise people how to proceed. So. Um, it's been a great time with extension so far, and I'm looking forward to, uh, yeah, doing some more work. So a lot of what Nick is going to bring to this show, I mean, you're going to be talking, I think, a, a big uh, group and some people who have communicated with me in the past, you know, they they say, hey, listen to your show. We, you know, I think this is mainly in like timber stands or like native plants, things like that, but they have a lot of acreage and they're kind of wondering how to improve that. So it's the idea of homesteading or kind of being more self-sufficient or resilient on the land that that maybe you you own 
manage Stewart or however you go about that. I mean, Nick's going to bring kind of that that edge or that component to this show. So we're excited to to have you here. Yeah, um, thanks. One other thing I, I forgot to add that I guess I, I could. It's probably the most unique thing about me on the team is um, I do manage uh, the refuge food forest in normal Illinois. And so that's about an acre and a half of woody perennial crops. Um, so lots of fruit trees, um, nut trees, fruit bushes, vines, canes, etc. Some crops people have heard about before, like apples and pears, but also uh, black, white and red currants and pawpaw. Um, some mushroom projects like shiitake logs. So some things that people may be familiar with and then other things that they may not be so familiar with. So yeah, but more on that later, I'm sure. Anyway, so folks, if you're listening about to this and, and, and you're like, oh, you have more questions about promoting local foods in your area, local food systems, Nick's your guy. So we're ha- that's why he's here. We're happy to have him. So Nick, this week we are talking about sourcing our food locally. So New guy on on the boat here. I'll just say, if you wouldn't mind kicking us off, please. Yeah. So this week, uh, as we were talking about before we got rolling here, um, we're thinking about celebrating the bounty of the harvest season with uh, with Thanksgiving uh, and the Thanksgiving meal. That's long been a tradition uh, in North America, even well before we were um, officially a country. Uh, so yeah, back in the day, just thinking about you know where we are now and where we were several hundred years ago. The only way that you were having a Thanksgiving feast was if your local community was able to uh, successfully grow and prepare uh, local ingredients uh, such as farm-raised animals uh, and vegetables, and only if you succeeded at putting up and preserving um, some of those uh, uh, harvest uh, items for the lean months. So, you know, from about uh, anywhere in uh, the, the temperate region of North America, we're talking about October until February. So. Um, people had to have their uh, their things in order back in the day and their larders filled up and uh, their items salted, dried, cured, what have you, uh, to, to share that meal together. And so, um, yeah, the only way that folks got by in the past was um, integral community support of one another. So it's just been on my mind this week. I, I know today I feel like for, for Thanksgiving, you know, going, trying to go back, I'm harvesting turnips out of my garden, carrots. I got parsnips. I'm going to be pulling that all out of the garden right now for, for Thanksgiving meal. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's throw it back to that day. Ken, are you, what's coming out of your garden to get on the table? Um, well, right now, uh, nothing. Cause I didn't get it covered in it. <laughs> your garden's dead. <laughs> Mine is so, too. I got a lot of wilted lettuce and uh, cabbage and, and all that, but we did grow pumpkins. So we've got, we've cooked all of our pumpkins. It's all frozen now. So we've got, I don't know how many gallons of, of pumpkin. So we, we will definitely have homemade pumpkin pie. Hey, you um, process a lot else. of stuff in your kitchen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's, by the end of the end of the growing season, we're done with it. And, it's it's good that it ends because mm-hmm. cooking cooking pumpkins all day every day on the weekend gets old after a while. Mm-hmm. That is something I would like to do a little bit more of. We did successfully grow, yeah, our own garlic and onions and um, some sweet potatoes, uh, definitely some pumpkins, and we did process that, but uh, not as much as uh, yeah, some family members and friends and then colleagues like yourself. So. Um, I think that's something that folks can definitely um, aspire to. But then, um, so yeah, getting like a little bit more into the topic uh, at hand here, uh, local Thanksgiving, local holiday season, et cetera. 
um, especially for folks that don't have a big growing space like like we may, uh, being the the um, growing nerds that we are, right? Um, so last year, about this time, a little earlier, actually, my extension colleagues and I um, at the Bloomington office uh, came up with a concept um, that we called the local Thanksgiving challenge. And so um, we actually urged folks to reconnect with their past roots, their past heritage that we just described a little bit ago, um, and get back to supporting of vital community farms, food prep businesses, and other stakeholders in our local food scene here in the greater Bloomington normal area and beyond uh, to ensure that those stakeholders would be there um, in years to come to serve our needs. So what, is, what does all that mean? Um, to do that, we challenged our community uh, members to try and source as much of their local Thanksgiving meal um, as they were able to afford um, or cared to try and do locally. So this is as simple as visiting local farmer's market, uh, local holiday market. If your farmer's market season is done, doesn't continue at an indoor location during winter. Um, and we got a lot of positive feedback to, from that. So um, dark leafy greens, um, uh, locally raised turkeys, winter squash, onions, potatoes, you name it. Um, yeah, it was a really popular concept. All right, so if we are thinking about doing a kind of our locally sourced um, Thanksgiving either this year or in the in the future, what are some of the different things we could find here in in Central Illinois or Illinois at large, Midwest uh, that would be local? Yeah, that's a great question. And so, right uh, as you just mentioned a little bit ago, uh, our gardens are both frozen over, and I also lost like a giant section of arugula because I didn't get it harvested in time. So. Um, so we may not be, you know, the pros, but there are pros around. Um, so local vegetable farmers um, this time of year, fruit farmers as well, are usually sitting on a trove of things like root vegetables in the walk-in cooler, dark leafy greens that are coming out of high tunnels or greenhouses, um, as well as shelf-stable pantry items uh, that can be prepared holiday season long, like uh, winter squash, onions, sweetened baking potatoes, um, those, those crops that um, usually can hang out in uh, semi-cold frozen soil or um, or walk-in coolers or or even just at room temperature uh, in a dark, uh, dry place all off season long. And then to say uh, uh, also uh, some pears, apples, I saw those at the, the Thanksgiving market um, in Bloomington Normal this past weekend as well. So there's still a bit of fruit to pick from. Uh, one other thing I did want to mention is uh, locally grown food um, is available for all, uh, no matter the budget. So I know uh, this is a little bit of a, a sticking point for some who may say, you know, the produce at the grocery store that's come in from um, elsewhere is definitely a little bit cheaper. Um, but folks can definitely visit www.ilfma.org slash find-a-market uh, for a list of Illinois farmers markets uh, and other direct-to-consumer venues that are accepting supplemental nutrition assistance program benefits. So want those local food options to be open to all. It, it, and it really varies depending on on who's listening, where you're located, what you have access to. Uh, and, and you mentioned this already, Nick, you know, what, whatever you're able to afford or, or willing to do. Is there any like something simple that that you would recommend if, if maybe we don't have access to a winter market or something like that? Yeah, that's a great point. And yeah, so uh, not all who probably are in your listenership are are as lucky to be located in Bloomington Normal or a bigger city like Macomb or uh, Champaign. So to that end, um, right, what can a local Thanksgiving or now that we're pretty close to that local holiday season in general look like? Um, could be as, as simple as a local um, 
pumpkin pie made from scratch or sweet potato pie if you're into that like my family is um typically there are you know even at the myers jewel oscos kroger's off off and on there are uh you know those big bins of it it'll say like illinois local pumpkins or apples or uh sweet potatoes or what have you so that could be it um get your grandma's uh pumpkin uh, pie recipe or uh the, the pie dough recipe make that from scratch and botch that a couple of times like i did until you get it right and then um, um get that uh local pumpkin pie uh by yeah getting a local pie pumpkin from a market or a grocery store um and then hop on youtube uh any of your internet search engines and you can easily find a, a diy uh, pumpkin pie recipe usually involves roasting uh, that or a sweet potato or whatever you're going to pick um, at the optimal temperature and time range and then scooping it out, making a pie filling. Um, sounds like a little bit of work and I'd be lying if I said it wasn't, but um, it can be as simple as just the dessert at the end of the meal all the way to the entire thing front to back. Anything you can do or afford, anything in between. I will say if you're buying canned pumpkin, you're probably buying it from Illinois. That is true. 90, 95% of the processing pumpkins in the country are grown in Illinois. So, Yes, that is something that was uh, pointed out to me uh, even as early as my job interview <laughs> by uh, the search committee that um, interviewed me. So it was a, um, that was a cool piece of information to uh, know and, and think about in the local food scene uh, right as I started. And I did see quite a few uh, pumpkins in the field uh, this past growing season for actually the first time. I, I didn't really see that all last year. Maybe I just wasn't looking for it. I've really been trying to hone my my pie crust uh, uh, methods, abilities, all of that. My, my mom, she's always made it. She just makes it out of her head. There's no measurement that really happens. She uses a bowl and a fork. <laughs> I do the same thing and it turns out horrible. I found <laughs> out my trick for it is I use a food processor. And for some mm. reason... My food processor mimics, I guess, the stirring action of my mother's fork and bowl. I don't know, but that's the only way I can get it nice and fluffy and and tasty like she she makes it. So freezer section. That's right. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it can be that, too. Um, I mean, to your question earlier, how simple can this be? Let's even let's take that pie model and back it off just another half step there. So maybe just find the pie pumpkin that was grown right uh, locally, or like Ken said, even just a can of pumpkin pie filling was probably grown in Illinois. You could go to the freezer section and get pre-made pie crusts, one for the pie insert and one to go on top. And then, you know, you'll you'll figure it out from there. So um, it really could be as simple as that. There are other ways though, if pie is not your thing. Um, so you could support local by um, introducing uh, locally made pastries from your local bakery. Um, beekeepers uh, all over the central Midwest like to sell their honey this time of year, celebrate the harvest, get a little more beekeeping money for next year. So um, honeybees make that delicious honey that we we all know and love. Um, we could try for that, um, as well as a locally raised turkey. It's a little late for that now, right before Thanksgiving, but I'd eat, I'd eat turkey for Christmas. So um, yeah, homemade from scratch uh, doesn't it doesn't need to be that way. You can can support local other ways. So Nick, when it comes to, uh, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but that the distance that food travels, like mm -hmm. you did this last year, you did, you know, did you discover like, hey, this local stuff tastes better, or you know, is is, is better for you? What like, what 
uh, came of last year's kind of, were there any realizations after you were done eating? Like, hmm, that's not too bad. Or this is doable. We can do this. Yeah, right. Well, um, I'm definitely, um, I've been long since a convert to the local foods uh, movement. I worked on a, a vegetable farm before being with U of I Extension. So I know I'm familiar with the taste of produce that's just been harvested. And yeah, obviously there's there's no beating um, local produce like that. Anybody who's had a tomato right off the vine knows the difference in taste between one from the grocery store. Um, but we collaborated on this uh, last year um, myself, uh, a then uh, horticulture educator with with our unit, Kelly Alsup, as well as my uh, nutrition and wellness educator in unit, uh, Jenna Smith. And she's actually the one that, that brought it to our attention that um, when our produce um, does not travel um, those hundreds or potentially thousands of miles uh, to get to our consumers here in Illinois, uh, the research does show that that uh, local produce is more nutrient dense. And so um, when something's harvested far away, um, as soon as it's off that plant, vine, tree, um, out of the ground, what have you, it is going to start losing nutrients um, as soon as it's disconnected from its soil or water source. And so the quicker we can get that into our bodies and, and processed into um, high quality nutrients, the better. Uh, research does show that. So it tastes better. Uh, the research shows it's better for you. Win-win. Um, so um, as my one of my family members said, uh, you could pay for good food now or you could pay for hospital bills later. Like it kind of is as could be as stark as that. And is there a a definition for what constitutes local? <laughs> or is that a, yeah, that, it depends? <laughs> oh, no, I mean, it definitely does depend. I was just laughing because I think that could be a great uh, uh, whole whole uh, good growing episode podcast in and of itself. But yeah, you raise a, an interesting point. So, I mean, I would argue that uh, um, that the local is a little bit of a loaded term, and perhaps we should turn more towards the idea of the food shed. Um, so, you know, um, I'm not an expert on the, the definition of a, of a food shed per se, but how I understand it is this. So, like, the city of Chicago, for example, the city of Chicago's food shed um, includes basically the entire area needed to feed, like, the area of Chicago in and around it. So you could make an argument that, that goes as far as the suburbs of Chicago, one of which is Kenosha, which is actually closer to Milwaukee. So it really depends on the size of the city, the clientele you're talking about. For, But for uh, Bloomington Normal, for example, using my uh, area, I would say that the three county area that our extension office serves, Woodford, McLean, and Livingston counties, is uh, effectively the food shed of Bloomington Normal. Um, that's because folks are coming into our market from places like uh, Clinton, Leroy, Hayworth, um, uh, Pontiac, uh, Fairbury, um, and other places uh, in our in our local three county area uh, to that central uh, Bloomington Normal location. So, yeah, food shed, or even within the state of Illinois, like you mentioned uh, with the pumpkin pie example. I think so. This is based upon, um, you know, we were we were just all together last week at our annual conference, and we heard from uh, the Mizzou's extension. Uh, I think he he's got a different title than ours, but uh, he he made a very good point that where we grow things is changing uh, based upon the climate change, and so you know he said where they only grow cotton in like the Southern Boot Hill of Missouri, probably by the end of the decade, they'll be growing cotton in Columbia, Missouri, which is kind of central in Missouri. And I just listened to a story about how citrus is replacing peaches in Georgia because the peaches aren't getting the, the winter, the, the cold 
exposure that they need to then flower that next spring and it's staying warm enough that the citrus can survive it which means like kind of like what are you sourcing you know so if you're sourcing citrus well heck you might not have to go all the way down to florida you might just go to georgia uh or maybe you got a greenhouse somewhere nearby that might be growing citrus so i mean it it's changing too, like where we're getting stuff from and 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 how we're sourcing this food. So I, I part part of my brain went to what are we putting on our table? And does that food shed change or morph based upon that ingredient? That's a whole new show. There we go. <laughs> we got <laughs> think, a lot of shows ba- built into one. Yeah, I think that's um a really interesting idea um about yeah, right, the morphing of the food shed in your local area over time. And and I do think it's a delicate balance of like obviously the best place it could come from is uh, you know, if you have one, your backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly not everybody can or will or 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 wants to grow like that. Um, and then to your point, yeah, um, then it's a question of well, where can you source? Where do you want to source? Um, and who can provide uh, that item that you are uh, desiring or in need of? What do you think, Ken? Yeah, I think a lot of it just depends on on the produce. I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, you're, you're not growing citrus here unless you're growing was a trifoliate orange, which is hardy up here, but is invasive mm. or can be invasive. Yeah. So. so don't plant that one. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't taste very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it just depends on on the product there's some things that you're just not going to grow in illinois unless you're growing in a greenhouse or or taking some of those extra steps so nick i guess then the next point is like money like this this is i a locally sourced turkey is more expensive than a you know a industrial process like grown and processed turkey what about what 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 can you comment on about the financial, not only the financial costs of Thanksgiving, but more so this year of what's going on? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And uh, I was reviewing the press release um, before we started the show that we released uh, last year this time, uh, just to see what the price increase was that I noted on the cost per pound for turkey last year versus this year. So last year in the press release, um, it was quoted at four to six dollars a pound for locally raised turkey. That was not the the highest one I found last year. It was a little about average, I'd say about, yeah, five, $6 a pound. Um, but this year um, I've definitely seen eight, $9 a pound uh, for turkey. And so, but the same holds true um, that, that we released in the press release last year, which is that's still less than half the cost of like a prime rib or a ribeye steak. So if you're into the steak game, obviously like steak is a couple of pounds of meat, the turkey's 10 to 20 pounds. That's a pretty big financial impact. So um, again, I really want to caution people that you don't have to throw uh, the kitchen sink in terms of your finances at this uh, live local, uh, provide local project. It can be as easy as just um, a dish of, uh, you know, spinach salad, um, something that's coming out of, you know, some growers' high tunnels. There's a couple bucks at the farmer's market or your local co-op or grocery store doesn't have to break the bank but yeah uh, more thoroughly to your question of just prices for everybody um, everyone's dealing with the same issue of price increases across the board not only for food um, but for inputs and so um, obviously folks know that we're all dealing with uh, the cost of inflation but folks may not know uh, it's been hitting the farmers uh, really hard as well sometimes much more so 
And a quick example I wanted to share of that is the price of things as diverse as mason jars for artisan makers, all the way to fertilizer for cash grain farmers um, have nearly tripled in price since January of 2020, um, which is way ahead of the average price increase of other necessities like um, grains and staple foods for our household. So what I'm trying to say is our local producers need your support. My, my title is local food systems and small farms educator. I don't just educate small farmers. We're educating about the local food system. So this is quite important. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things that compounded. Like things have been happening over the last few years and suddenly 2022 things just blew up. Um, so Ken, you know, we we worked on that uh, ginger, turmeric and galango project, which one of these days we're going to talk about on this show. We keep teasing everybody about it, but one of these days. Um, but we so the idea is we wanted to build caterpillar tunnels to house this in, which is like a temporary high tunnel. Um, I hit the we got a grant to do this and I hit that purchase button a week after the Ukraine Russian war broke out. Everything almost doubled within that week in terms of cost for farming or ag supplies. I mean, it just, just things went through the roof right then and it nothing's really settled down yet and so like as nick says like so many of those inputs are going up even just like uh equipment which is what they technically call i guess a caterpillar tunnel equipment or a, like a, a greenhouse grow house whatever you want to call it that stuff has also gone way up yeah so um obviously folks are struggling you know from everywhere from like the grocery store to the gas pump but uh, back to our original message of the only way that you were going to eat for Thanksgiving in 1621 or whenever, uh, however far back you want to go in the, you know, 17, 18, 1900s was if your community supported each other. So in the spirit of community support, do what you can. And uh, uh, yeah, this is coming out, you know, uh, pretty close to Thanksgiving. Um, and so we recognize, I recognize that folks probably have already have made plans for what they're going to cook, what they're going to bring. Um, so it's not as applicable to the Thanksgiving meal, but uh, I don't know about you all, but I'm definitely planning on um, sourcing my local uh, Christmas dinner uh, as, as close to home as I can. And all through the holiday season when we have time off, um, hopefully frequenting some uh, restaurants nearby that that showcase uh, locally sourced ingredients and really um, add some support and strength to our growers' portfolios over the off season as they evaluate what they're going to do for their business uh, in the season to come. So uh, before we hop off here, um, how are you guys planning on uh, supporting local this uh, holiday season? Oh man, I I feel guilty if I don't do something. Uh, <laughs> no, I I, I uh, so. Where we're at in Macomb, we do have a couple uh, local. I think we have a we have a local co-op, food co-op, and mm -hmm. they sell like really good food. <laughs> like that's like mm -hmm. high quality stuff. It's more expensive, but mm -hmm. you know you could get a package of. Well, we'll just say they do have these. They have a package of locally grown um, uh, uh, pork hot dogs. They, they they make them, process them. They have beef hot dogs they have all the they have all of the different genres of animals you would want in the form of a hot dog um they even have i think vegan hot dogs so whatever you'd want they're locally grown it's locally sourced and it's like super good we had them one time it's like we can't have them all the time but when we do it's a treat and so 
you know, I, it's going to be weird, but I feel like that would be a great stocking stuffer for some of my family, just knowing their love of hot dogs um, and be like, hey, here's a locally grown hot dog. It's way better than anything you'll ever find at the grocery store. Um, it's it's super good. So yeah, you pick it right off the hot dog tree. See, my, my kids have gotten hot dogs for Christmas before. They asked Santa for hot dogs and they got hot dogs in their stuff. I was going to say, it was in, in, uh, as like a replacement for coal or... or... <laughs> no, they, they asked for hot dogs and they got a That's awesome. package of hot dogs. Why, why are my kids more like your kids, Ken? <laughs> Ken, what do you do to uh, support local over the holidays? So I think our, our farmer's market here in Jacksonville is closed for the year. Um, we have, may have to hit up the, uh, the local meat processor, um, get some stuff from there. And then, you know, it's not necessarily supporting the farmers. We've got, you know, the pumpkins and stuff that we've grown ourselves. And we still have some onions and garlic and lots of strawberries left over. So, yeah. A lot of our root crops, that's what we, we hold those over. We use that a lot throughout the, the winter. So, and we have one, we have one uh, pie pumpkin. I haven't processed it yet though, because it's sitting on our table because it's pretty and blue. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you grew a blue Hubbard. That's awesome. I did. I did. Nice. Um, well, Ken, I'm really glad that you brought up the, um, the meat uh, processors and um, yeah, the little lockers. That's, that's one that I actually... Uh, left out early by by accident. So uh, yeah, definitely um, local meat packers are struggling with supply chain cost increases, just like everybody else. So that's a great place to go. And uh, they may have a lead on your uh, local uh, bird or, uh, or, or ham or what have you of choice for your holiday meal uh, for past Thanksgiving at, at this point. But uh, yeah, I would definitely like to challenge all the listeners of the Good Growing Podcast to uh, see what they could do to support local this year uh, over the holiday season. So instead of getting your gifts online uh, with companies who will for sure be around next year still, uh, which local vendors from soap makers to bakers to beekeepers, fruit and vegetable farmers and beyond, um, can you support with your local food purchasing dollars? The difference between them being there for our communities next year and not could be just a couple hundred odd transactions which compared to the big box stores is not much. You all have a part to play. So Chris and Ken, I uh, just wanted to say thanks for, for having me on the show and for the new feature on Good Growing Podcast. Uh, I'm really looking forward to doing this again with you guys soon. Thanks for having me and stay local. Uh, enjoy your holidays. Well, thank you, Nick. It's really exciting to have you here with us. As I said before, you're going to bring a, a new side um, to Good Growing. And so you're going to... I, I really like how you said it earlier. Yes, you work with with uh, local farmers, but you also educate the community about the local food system. So that is critical, I think, in having a having a Thanksgiving meal that's not only local but that is resilient to the the changes that seem to be happening now year after year that make putting food on the table it's making it more and more difficult. Yes, I. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. I, I don't really have anything else to add after that. I'm sorry, Ken. I took, I saw I sucked all the air Stole out of the room. <laughs> sorry. Here. Uh, uh, yeah. What, what else can we say? Uh, it's really good. Uh, I don't know. Good no. job. <laughs> and so the Good Growing Podcast is a production of University of Illinois Extension. Listeners, thank you for listening to us all. Um, we're also doing a YouTube stream. So for all folks watching on YouTube, thanks a lot. 
And as always, keep growing. And to boot, happy Thanksgiving all.